John, the NFL is here in style. Amazon begins a new era. And we have Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet as the big gets. And the TV ratings highlighted by that great Steelers-Bengals game. Well, if you listen to the network spin, they were insane. Boswell! And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. He's John Oran. John Arad. The sports business journal media reporter. And this week, big get, really big. Al Michaels, probably the greatest NFL TV play-by-player of all time. And Kirk Herbstreit, who is the voice of college football. They're joining forces. Amazon making history with their exclusive Thursday night package beginning with the chiefs and the chargers so we'll have that remember you can go back and listen last two weeks some nice really fun big gets last week kevin burkhart and greg olson two weeks ago we had joe buck and troy aikman you know andrew uh, a, a friend of the show chris finnegan he used to do pr for discovery he's been pitching me on this idea that we should have a segment devoted on how to pronounce our names and so we always have, you know, Russo at the beginning with my name. That, that, that always just makes me laugh. All right, that's great. But last week, Pat McAfee, how can you butcher Mar- Marchand? It's, it's such an easy name. Let's listen to it. I haven't talked to the Omaha folks since this has been announced last night at 11 p.m. Thanks, Marshawn. Yeah, right. I mean, at least give me the morning. I mean, Jesus Christ, 11 p.m. Yeah. I mean, what? I, how, how am I supposed to sleep, Marshawn, whenever you... You're not. When you light up my know. phone at 11 p.m. I mean, do you care about my well-being? Nope. You don't. No. I mean, it was obviously massive news. I'm honored to have the news broke. That, of course, was after your story breaking the news that, uh, that McAfee was heading over to um, college game day as a regular panelist. And the thing for Pat, too, you think I wanted to do that at 1030 at night? He tweeted out (laughs) that he had a big announcement. So I started making some calls and uh, found out, which I had heard about that they had been talks, but it came it came together quickly. We'll talk about McAfee and ESPN and game day and now the wars in terms of the college football pregames between Fox and ESPN a little bit. I do love Marshawn, though. It sounds very French to me, Marshawn. It does. It does. You know, Brad Marchand, who's now Brad Marchand, he changed it. He was Marshawn. Now he's Marshawn. I'm actually, anybody cares, nobody does probably, is it's Marshawn. <laughs> it's Marshawn. Uh, let's go. We're losing the listeners as we speak. I can see them going. Through. Our ratings are tanking, Andrew. Let's get to who's up, who's down. Come on. Sounds good. Who's up, who's down. Who's up? Who's down? All right, I'm going to start us off, Andrew. Who's up? Jimmy Pitaro. Uh, What a weekend for him. Uh, ESPN has always been important to Disney. It's always been important to to Bob Chapek. But over the weekend, there was a a, sort of a a D23. It was sort of a like fan event. And Bob Chapek gave a ton of interviews. And you want to talk about a vote of confidence. He talked about... ESPN and Jimmy Pitaro in such ways that they're going to be instrumental to Disney's growth uh, over the over the next several years. And it was uh, if I'm Jimmy Pitaro, I'm a little bit nervous because he's putting a lot on on my back. But uh, but that that must have been a very nice public vote of confidence, because I know that privately he's been getting a lot of votes, votes of confidence within Burbank. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Pitaro has a new contract and his contract's up shortly. And I wouldn't be surprised another three year deal 
uh, or what I'm not sure the length, but uh, that Bertaro has a new contract. All right, my who's up? Fox Sports's Urban Meyer. Now, Fox did all they could do to not really make a big deal that Urban Meyer was coming back to be on big noon kickoff. Uh, of course, he had so many difficulties and so many bad stories for his short time as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the thing is, he's a really good analyst. He is very good how Fox utilizes him on the big noon kickoff. They were in Austin uh, for Alabama and Texas. And this was what he talked about pregame. And the, the subject was how to block superior athletes on for, for Texas against Alabama, uh, who you know has basically uh, usually the best defensive players in the country. Coach, how do you slow down a potent defensive line like that? Are right, you ready? Yep. You don't block them. What? <laughs> Come on, you what? Don't, Vince, don't block them. <laughs> now, block. I came to the SCC of Florida, me and my staff, we came from the Mount Wentworth Conference. The speed, athleticism, just the size of these big men, the way they ran, it darn near takes your breath away when you first time you see that. And so as we became educated in the Southeastern Conference, in a hard education the first few games, we started to develop a plan, and the plan was this. You have 10 plays on your call sheet where you do not block the D lineman. You know why? Why get in a fight you can't win? John, what I like about that is just it's inside stuff. And then you, you didn't hear this, of course, but they showed video of what he meant. Uh, and that's exquisite television. That's how you do it. Well planned. And it's they use Meyer the way you want to use him. He talks like a coach, but it, they make it simple. Uh, and it's inside information because that the idea that Urban Meyer would say, well, you go in Alabama and you have about 10 plays where you don't block them because you're, you're not, your, your athletes are inferior. It's just good stuff that you don't really hear uh, many other places. Uh, why don't you go right, uh, take us right into who's down, Andrew. All right. My who's down NBC's Jack Collinsworth and Maria Taylor. My first Jack Collinsworth, uh, Notre Dame, uh, he's the new play-by-player, 27 years old, replacing Mike Tirico, who's, you know, of course, a top 10 play-by-player, so big shoes to fill. And here's the thing about Collinsworth. He, like, the fact that his name is Collinsworth and, you know, presumably that helped him get this job, that doesn't bother me, right? If, if you're up to the gig, then that's fine. I think it's actually a lot of ways you know, people will point to nepotism, but it's also helpful to grow up around broadcasting and to understand what it takes. The issue I had listening was the lack of command. Now, he wasn't terrible, but it just didn't feel like uh, this is the big leagues. It's Notre Dame, it's NBC, and he didn't uh, hit those big calls. Marshall had the upset. There weren't enough stories about Marshall and what this meant for them. And it just, it just lacked uh, that level that you need to be at. Maybe he'll get better. Uh, hopefully he will. He's good on, uh, you know, during football night in America uh, as a reporter slash host. Uh, so that was one. Now, staying with football night in America, this was not good. Maria Taylor, who I've been very high on on air, uh, this is what she said during halftime of the Cowboys and the Bucks. One, two sacks for Michael Parsons so far in this one, but still the Cowboys find themselves down three to 12 to Tampa Bay at home. Now, look. Like I said, I like Maria Taylor's work overall, but that's just not the vernacular, right? 312, uh, that's not how you talk about it. So that was just surprising to hear that. So uh, kind of a poor weekend uh, for NBC, first on Saturday with Collinsworth, and then the flood by Maria Taylor on Football Night in America. Andrew, my who's down, there were so many different ones to pick from. I mean, week one of the NFL brought them out. I got an email from Tim 
of Shelby, uh, Shelbyville, uh, Tennessee. Tim, and then next time, give me your last name. I like to put the last name there, but he wanted a thumbs down to ESPN's baseball schedule. That would be Rick Mace over at, uh, at ESPN for what he said, quote, waving the white flag for, to the NFL and making a meaningless Cubs-Giants game Sunday night baseball last night. Uh, you know, they go through it. Of course, Sunday night uh, baseball was going against uh, the Cowboys versus Grady. There are lots of reasons for why they're doing it. And a shout out to Rick Mace uh, because uh, ratings are up for Sunday night baseball and he's doing a pretty nice job with the scheduling. So I don't, uh, Rick, you are in the running, but you are not the who's down. Uh, friend of the podcast, Jonathan Tannenwald. He wanted us to do Comcast because he can't, he couldn't watch. They still don't have a deal with the NFL. He couldn't watch the uh, Red Zone channel outside of his house. He was upset by that. So uh, Brian Roberts in the running for uh, for who's down uh, as well. Um, there's there's a, a lot of intrigue into this is who's down. <laughs> Who are we going to get to? Who's it going to get? Charlie Ergen, always a who's down with my sources. But Sling TV was having lots of problems in uh, during week Charlie one. Charlie the head of Sling TV. He's ahead of uh, of Echo Star, which yeah, run, runs uh, Sling TV. He said, let's go straight to the top and, and get Charlie. Okay. Rob Thune at DirecTV. How many people? You had problems with Sunday Ticket, yeah. didn't you? Uh, uh, over there as well. Uh, NFL Plus, the NFL app. I mean, that, uh, we don't, let, let's put Brian Roll app as our uh, who's down. Although yeah, he doesn't listen to us. So let, let's uh, we'll, go to Hans, we'll go Hans Schroeder. But Andrew, I'm going to surprise you here because I did not put this on the rundown. Ooh. And it's, uh, it's uh, maybe it's a bit of megalomania. But who's down is John Arant. Wow. And I'm going to tell you, one of the things about this pod uh, is that, uh, you know, we come out and we give opinions a lot more than we write the opinion. And the, the, the struggle is when you give an opinion... You don't want to get cemented into that opinion. You want to. You, you still want to report, and you still want to see what's happening, and whether or not that opinion should change. And one of the first opinions on one of the first podcasts that we did was about when is ESPN going to take its mothership and and uh, go direct to consumer with uh, with the regular ESPN channel. You gave the over under at five years, and I took the over. You took the under. Uh, right now, it's about we're still at four years. I'm telling you right now, the over under is at two years. It, it, it's not going to be four years. It's going to be well before that. The signs have been pointing to that for a while. And it's time for me to finally acknowledge. I should have acknowledged this about probably one or two months ago. I should probably should have acknowledged this when we had uh, Steve Bornstein on as our big get. But something is happening there and it seems to be going very, very quickly. And I'm I am retreating as fast as I can from that position, it's happening before four years. Welcome to the dark side. <laughs> but my new over-under, Andrew, two years. Over -under. You say two. You know what? I, I actually have some information on that as well. Uh, you know, let's just do it now. We're going to do topics. But I actually think it's three years. All right. So we're, we are five when we started. So four would be where the bet was at. I think it's three years. And I think the number is 50 million. When they go under 50 million. Now we had Michael Nathanson, one of the best analysts in the business from Moffitt Nathanson, who said he thinks it's going to level out at 50, 60 million in terms of cable subscribers. I think ESPN, I think internally and Disney might think that's going to come a little bit quicker, like you're pointing to. And so I think 50 million is where they flip that switch and it's coming. And I agree with you. Let's make it clear because people do get this uh wrong sometimes, you know, is that 
it's still going to be on cable. It's still going to be on satellite. You'll just be able to buy it direct to consumer. But here's the most important thing, John. You're a big, first off, I mean, you mentioned about the whole, everyone in the industry in terms of like who is possibly going to be a who's down. So the podcast is about three hours now. That's number one. <laughs> You're a very big man though. Takes a big man to admit a mistake. Now, do I get my dinner now that we bet or we have to wait till it actually happens? I don't, I don't recall what the I don't recall what the actual bet was, Andrew. The bet was I get to pick whatever. No, 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 I, I can't recall. I can't recall. I will tell you one thing though. I don't think that it really has anything to do with with uh, the number of subscribers. Fifty million, sixty million. Cord cutting is happening. They're seeing cord cutting happening as soon as they buy Comcast out from Hulu. Comcast still owns thirty three percent of it. Then they're going to be able to come to the market with a streamed bundle that would include ABC every single ESPN net, every single Disney net, uh, and ESPN plus, Disney plus, Hulu, and, the, and they're gonna be able to come with, with a, a gigantic package. I think that the number of subscribers to, to uh, cable is immaterial to them now. I th- think that they've already made that decision and it's good, like, if, if the number is 50 million and, and, and they're at 57 million, they're still gonna go. John, let's just take it right into the topics. We're going to move ESPN now to the number one topic. Breaking news is huge revelation. Let's just do everything ESPN. Uh, just give me your 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 further thoughts now that you've made this great declaration. Uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about. We have McAfee going to, to game day. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman in Monday Night Football. We have... Um, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, Manning cast. They have a double header this week in week two, which is big. Where do you want to go next? And before we do that, do I pick dinner or do you pick dinner? Are we going to Taco Bell? Or are we going to go to a, like a fine? No, I pick the place. Ah, I okay. pick the place and you see if you can expense it. So we have a seat, <laughs> like our, our, our buddy at TV sports ratings who, who jumped in on Twitter. Uh, he, you know, he, uh, he got in there. He still thinks above Five years, will he come to the dark side? I think uh, he's, not, he's not coming. I, I I had a little off the record talk with him. I think he's he's going to stick publicly with the five years, which is now four years, if not. All right, years. all right. So so he could still he could still win if he's right. He could still get a dinner from us. But yeah, I get to pick the place. So look, uh, uh, JPEC, um, uh, I, I encourage people to, to read. He, he gave ex- uh, interviews. I almost said exclusive interviews, but he gave interviews to the Financial Times, to the Wall Street Journal, to a, a variety, to the New York Times, a, a lot of different areas. And what he talked about with ESPN is, is uh, putting it back on a growth mode. He was very open about getting into gambling in a, in a bigger way. I mean, they're working on a, a gambling app. I mean, I, again, that kind of made me laugh because ESPN has been into gambling. It's been taking gambling advertising. It's been, you know, uh, uh, do, doing a, a lot of things with gambling. But this this is uh, much further along those lines. And I think that if you uh, take a look at what uh, Apple strategy is and what Amazon strategy is, and one of the benefits that they bring in a streaming world is that they're international and they can go international. Well, ESPN Plus can go international, uh, as too can Paramount Plus or, or, or Peacock. And so I, when, when they buy a lot of these rights, they have the international rights to them as well. So I, I think that that's another area where they see a lot of potential growth, you know, taking this big American sports brand of ESPN and, uh, and, and taking it international. So I think there are a lot of uh, real uh, big business cases that JPEG is sort of, you know, hanging his hat on with ESPN. Well, that's the beauty of subscription. I, you know, we talk about this because 
uh, you guys, Sports Business Journal, subscription service, newspaper, subscription service. You know, subscription's been going on forever. Like people act like digital, like the athletic created subscription or something. It, that's been happening forever. The thing the athletic figured out, and I don't know if they figured it out, but they got sold for $550 million uh, to the New York Times, is that when you're selling to the world, that's a huge market. So the idea that, well, no, nobody wants to buy this. Yeah, that's true. But if one out of 10 people, when you're going to a market that's 2 billion or how many people are in the world, that's a huge market. So that makes sense on the ESPN side. Here's another thing, a little nugget about ESPN, I think. The idea that they're going to be spun off. I think Chavik might have said, said this, but I heard this as well. That's not going to happen, um, even though- it By the way, I can interrupt you for a second. It was yeah. never going to happen. He just he just once again came out and, and said, yeah, we're not spinning anything off. Well, it just doesn't really make sense when, when you really break it down in terms of what do we do for the business, right? The, the only thing is there's like a debt thing that's way too complicated for me to explain in general, especially not to bore people on a pod because I don't even understand. But there's a debt thing you could do someone told me about. But besides that, it doesn't really make any sense. And why wouldn't you want the power of ESPN uh, you know, to, to bundle it all together? All right, are we done on the business side or is there anything else you want to mention? I got one more business thing. Oh, one more business. Like, yeah, ahead. a little nugget. I think the, this is interesting for our college football fans. I think the Pac-12 and ESPN, hundreds of millions of dollars apart. They are not even close. So that is going to be interesting uh, where that goes uh, in terms of negotiations and will teams jump? Because when you're that far apart, that means something has to happen. And I'm not saying this is going to happen. I don't have information on this, but something just maybe a little conjecture. Do one of the digital players get involved with uh, the Pac-12, right? Apple, for example, loves to buy everything and then sell subscriptions. And they did that with the MLS. The Pac-12 just had this problem of not being, you know, with the Pac-12 network and you couldn't find it. And it's, you know, obviously not as successful as the ones that partnered with uh, Fox or ESPN, but money talks. And if Apple can make the case that we're going to pay you, we're going to bundle uh, the Pac-12 and they can get the money that they're looking for. Uh, maybe that, maybe they come into the picture, but right now the issue for the Pac-12 and perhaps the big 12 as well is just leverage, right? The, they've already spent a lot of money. So I think their way, that doesn't make, that doesn't mean a deal won't happen, but they're going to somehow have to strengthen their hand. If you're um, both, especially the Pac-12, I think the Big 12 has already expanded a little bit. Uh, and I think they could try to pick off some Pac-12 teams. So that is something to watch uh, for our college football fans out there. Yeah, I would be absolutely, uh, I, I want to upgrade shocked. Gobsmacked, is that more than shocked? I, it, it, I would be gobsmacked if ESPN doesn't uh, find out uh, a way to do a deal with, with, with the Pac-12. But when you bring up Amazon, and you bring up Apple and, you know, Google's sitting there as well. Uh, that's not un insubstantial. Like you're sitting in New York and I'm in DC. We do have an East coast bias here. Uh, like, and, and, and because that's all that we're consuming. Amazon is, is with the Univer university of Washington. Apple is right there with Cal and Stanford. Like these are people that work for these companies. These are companies that are in PAC 12 country, why, would they want to, uh, a Pac-12 that doesn't have UCLA and USC? I would think so. I think that 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 is a pretty pretty good bet as well. That there's going to be some sort of package that uh, that that uh, the Pac-12 will create for the streamers. And Apple wants it all though. Like that's what they're trying to do, and then sell those subscriptions. So I, it might make some sense as a work. I don't know about that. That's the. And I got. Can I quote the former mayor of Washington D.C., Marion Barry? Sure. 
people in hell want ice water. <laughs> okay, there you go. There you go. You love reading that DC in there. All right, let's move on. Let's just do a couple of ESPN things. Uh, this weekend, uh, they're in Boone, North Carolina. We talk about that with Kirk Herbstreit in the interview in the Big Get coming up in a little bit. Uh, they add Pat McAfee. Uh, First off, I have to apologize to you because first rule of the podcast is to break all news either Monday or Tuesday. So we have it in the podcast Wednesday night, breaking news story. Bad job by me. Apologize for that. McAfee, you know, he said his thing, but you think at 1030 at night, you think I really want to do that? No, Pat, I did not. I would have loved to have done it on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Marchand, Marchand with the break. <laughs> so, the, but McAfee. Look, I, I think it's a good addition. You want to be in business with Pat McAfee. You know, is that a long-term play for ESPN? I'm not sure. McAfee kind of moves around a lot. He, you know, he goes from job to job, uh, but he brings energy to that show. Uh, you know, it's a different type of thing. But, like, you imagine him in Boone, North Carolina this weekend. That's going to be a riot, uh, and he's going to be in the middle of it, and he's, like, the perfect guy for that. So uh, I think it's a it's a good addition uh, for, for, for ESPN and McAfee said it's a dream come true for him. So, uh, I, I do like that move. Have you attended a WWE event at all recently? I've not. They've invited me. It's very nice. They invite me a lot. I don't, I'm not, when I was a kid, I liked wrestling, but you know, yeah, I mean, with neither of us, I don't want to pretend like I'm a wrestling fan. Neither of us are, but I did go to one in, in, uh, in Philly and to watch McAfee interact with that crowd on a Friday night was I, I can just imagine him in Boone with the App State fans going crazy. It's, it's going to be fun TV. ESPN, you gave them your who's up. Uh, they're on an upswing. It's Monday Night Football. This week, they have the doubleheader uh, with uh, the one game on ESPN, which you'll have Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and their new member, Dan Orlovsky, and then Buck and Aikman on the late game on ABC, Vikings and Eagles. The first game's uh, Tennessee and Buffalo, which is you know pretty good game as well. Uh, so they're on an upswing. Monday night football, first Monday, it felt bigger, right? You had Troy and Joe on the main cast. Then you had the Mannings doing their thing on ESPN2. That's a lot of star power. Now, I get it. I've written this. I gave Darren Ravel, I did a little dedication to Darren Ravel on Twitter because I wrote that uh, they are making more than $50 million combined, uh, the Mannings and Aikman and Buck. Uh, so it's just like a, you know, at a, at a, I like to sometimes uh, score tweets out of Ravel's. I'd say that's like a 4.1 out of a five Ravel tweet uh, for me. But, but the point being is that they spent a lot of money but it felt big. And that's really important. If you're ESPN and Monday night football, and it just, there's an aura more to it than it was. Um, you know, the, the, you agree with that? And what was your take? My take on that is the text messages that I got from people that are not in the business, uh, uh, old friends of mine that just said the same thing. It just felt bigger. It felt like, a, it felt like a big game. Uh, one person said, uh, uh, I don't want to shout out any of these guys are texting late at night, but it, it, it felt like if, if, if there weren't ESPN graphics on the screen, it f would have felt like a Fox 425 game from the past you know, two decades. And I, I think that's big as well. I watched uh, most of the game uh, on ESPN too. I, I, I love the Manning cast. I love everything about the Manning cast. And I, I forgot actually how much I, I enjoyed it. They had, they had Joel McHale on, uh, 
my Twitter feed was killing that segment. Uh, a lot of people don't like the guests. I, uh, it was so uncomfortable watching it. Uh, and I love that. I mean, the, 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 the Mannings invite that on themselves. If I want to watch a game and I want people to dissect the game, I have a hall of fame, three times super Bowl winning quarterback on ESPN. I can go there. I want to be entertained and watch a game as I would at, at, at a bar. I love the guests. I especially love when the guests make uh, Peyton uh, and Eli less so, but but Peyton uncomfortable, and he did seem uncomfortable with uh, Joel McHale. And I, I just thought I thought everything about it was as good as last year. And I'm uh, I I think I will be personally watching the Manning cast on Monday Night Football this season again, despite Joe and Troy being in the booth. Yeah, the thing they're going to have to figure out is how to make people aware of which weeks they're on, right? They're not on this week. They're on week three. They're back on. That's one thing. The other aspect that I think, uh, yeah, I think the guest, it's it's a, it's catch-22 with the guest, right? Because when you have a good game, you don't really want the guest as much. Yeah, they had Shannon Sharp, but not a great connection, which is also an issue they're going to have to sort of figure out because, you want these people on, but if, when the Zooms aren't really connected, yeah, I get the appeal of it kind of being like a mystery science, was it mystery science, science, mystery, was it mystery science, the, 3, mystery science theater, I think it was 2000, wasn't it? I think, 3, I think 3000. Anyway, um, my bad for bringing that up without even knowing what the, <laughs> anywho, the guest, if it's a blowout, yeah, you want the guest, not, not a blowout close game. I want to hear Peyton, Peyton, Again, like I've been a, covered a lot of athletes very closely, uh, you know, especially in baseball. And, you know, the best players, I always say this, are kind of dorks in some respects, right? And I mean that as a compliment. They're not, yes, they're the big men on campus, but like they're so into their sport, just as like someone who gets eight pluses are into math. And watching Peyton like watch a game, he's so intense. Like the timeout that uh, Seattle didn't take at the end, that that was worth watching the Manning cast by itself. Like he, that, he was just incredulous. Nuts. He's going nuts with the timeout, when, timeout, timeout, timeout. And when he finally figured out that they were going to kick the field goal, the look of just utter disgust on his face, he couldn't hide. I mean, it was fantastic TV. I thought I loved Eight it. Levels of like his head, they make fun of his forehead, but that forehead, that head needs a lot of space because there's like eight levels of football knowledge that's going on at once. It's really incredible to, to watch. Uh, and so, yeah, they, they, Monday Night Football is back. All right, I think we're we've given ESPN uh, their due with a lot of time on them. Because, but this is a historic show because you've come to the dark side. One more over under before we go to the next one. Uh, Wednesday morning over under of the time Chris Laplaca sends us the email. ESPN top flack. Over nine <laughs> thirty. I don't want to encourage others to do this, but he sometimes gives a review. Chris LeBlanc, who's that of ESPN's PR, he oftentimes, almost every week, gives us a review of the pod, uh, ups and downs. Um, you know, generally speaking, uh, he gets a couple of things right. <laughs> a couple of things, a couple of things. All right, let's move to Amazon. We're going to do a lot in Amazon in a moment with uh, with Kirk and, and Al uh, with the interview with the Big Get. But uh, this is an historic uh you know, Thursday night, some people listen before Thursday night. Some people are listening to this podcast after Thursday night. I wrote a feature that's 2,000 words. I went down to Houston uh, for their first exhibition game, and Amazon uh, was nice enough to give me a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, access, and I was nice enough to write a, my first story. was about how Al Michaels was going to go to other places, uh, like you know ESPN and Fox maybe, uh, which you know, you're welcome, Amazon. But this story, 2,000 words, I think, 
you know, they probably like this one better, very uh, showing, I think, what their uh, plan is and what they're trying to do. Uh, it's the new frontier. The question that will be answered by some of you already know this is, you know, can you make it work? This is the biggest streaming event, live event in the history of streaming. This is, I, there's no, no other stream event has ever, I mean, we're going by the idea that they're going to get at least 78 million people. And I think Amazon, again, people will know this. Some people will notice when they're listening to this. I think they'll probably be able to withhold it, but that's the most important thing. My story, I focus on Jay Marine and all the, what they call Amazonians. Jay Marine is the head of sports, basically, uh, with Marie Donahue, who did the NFL uh, TV negotiations. And can they get that back, you know, the backroom stuff correct? And so it gets to your place, because I do think they hit it a pretty good home run with Goodelli, Frank Goodelli being the producer from Sunday night, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit. Yeah, look, the, the, the game production is going to be top quality. Uh, it's going to be Sunday night football quality. It's going to look and feel like it, like it, it can host. Uh, Amazon is going to look and feel like they can host a Super Bowl or a championship game with no problem. The one thing that I'm going to look for, and especially coming after week one, when everybody was having such troubles with Sunday ticket and with uh, NFL red zone is whether or not uh, it's going to be able to handle it. Cause one of the things that all of the terrestrial TV executives have said is like that it's, it's hard for stream streamers to adequately get big audiences. And this is going to be a big, this a big audience. The Super Bowl also streams to a big audience uh, as well. So they've, there have been tests here and there. Amazon insists they can get it. Uh, I I expect that they will. Look again, people will know. Some people are listening to this and like, yeah, it, it worked or you know what, you know whatever happened with it. Um, here, here's a little nugget from my story: is that uh, Super Bowls? This is Gordon Fregadelli have 36, 37 cameras. Uh, Amazon's going to have 29 uh, for every game. That's opposed to Sunday Night Football. I think is like 24, 25, uh, and then they're going to have two Sky Cams. Nobody else has two skies cams at the Super Bowls. You have two sky cams. So they've really invested in making it look good. You know, if you look at the job that uh, their top executives led by uh, Marie Donahue and then her right hand man, Jared Stacy, have done in terms of putting this together, they kind of what Amazon does is they make you comfortable. Right. They went from, you know, from selling books to e-commerce to now uh, almost everyone, you know, has a Amazon package on their doorstep. You know, they had you you read books like normally, then you had Kindles, you know, again, I, we still, I still read a book, uh, even though it takes me forever, as you know, I'm still reading that Trip Mickle book. Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. I, I have another book. I don't really finish books. I, I don't know. But anyways, the point <laughs> is, is that uh, I, I, the question is, will I read the Trip Mickle book? We have the Trip Mickle book as a, my background platter right there. Yes. The question is, will I finish the Trip Mickle book before ESPN mothership goes direct to consumer? I would take I would take ESPN the mothership. I don't know. I'm doing my best. Uh, I have another book too. I'm reading about breathing. So I got, I got a couple of books going, and you got to watch 18,000 hours of television. All right, somebody's got to do it. Uh, so when you when you look at where they're going though, that like they I think they got the product is going to be fine. It's just will they you know over the long term be able to deliver that uh where it's good and this is the thing about the bezos plant it's long term they dink and doink you to death uh for you know 10 years 
talk to me in a decade. And that's where the big talk is when the next deals come up is Amazon a position to go for Monday night football to get a super bowl or get more playoff games. This is what's so unique about Amazon. And it's, it's why I struggle with Amazon is because they're approaching this, uh, they're approaching live video so differently than these linear TV networks whose entire existence depend on, on live video. I mean, you, you just talked about Fred Gadelli's plan. That costs a ton. They're getting less than any other network in terms of uh, ad rates. They're going to get uh, the, the the ratings are going to be down. They're, they 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 already increased the uh, um, uh, the the price of the cost of Prime based on the, the actual package it, it itself. Like at some point, Amazon's on the stock market. It's a for profit company. At some point, they're going to have to start making money. But the way that they're starting this and spending money, it's great for you and me because the production is going to be sublime. All right, so that's a big story. ESPN, Amazon, NFL. Uh, you, you said at the top, the ratings, everyone was crowing. So I, I, it seemed like they were good this weekend. What did you think about that? Oh, the ratings were great. Uh, the, the, the weather on the East Coast and, and Chicago was, was poor. So people stayed in. That always helps uh, the, the ratings come out. I think long term over the course of the season, uh, Dallas not being good, uh, potentially. Um, the uh, Thursday night football moving from a broadcast network to uh, to Amazon expect a pretty significant ratings drop or viewership drop this season for the NFL but I, I honestly who cares they're the biggest thing in town nothing else is going to touch them when we come out with our top 100 shows of the year which uh, SBJ does every year uh, is, the NFL is going to take up probably 70 80 percent of it all right a couple other big stories uh, the Fox new booth Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson in New York, we had the giant game on. So I only got to see some of it through red zone. Uh, what I heard sounded good. Like I listened to them last year and I did like them. Uh, and so, you know, I can't, I couldn't do, I would have actually, if they were on, I probably would have done a full review on their first broadcast, but they're going to be doing the Super Bowl. Uh, did you get that game? Did you catch that or no? Uh, I was also doing red zone as well. So I, I, I got in and out of them. Uh, they sounded like they sounded last year. I think they're going to be fine. Yeah. Okay. So that's one thing. Nance and Romo, that's a team to follow up. Nance had a struggled in the first half, got a couple of names wrong. Uh, you don't really expect that from Jim Nance in terms of uh, he was calling Justin Reed, uh, Eric Reed, uh, who was kicking, uh, which was a kind of a big story. Uh, and just, you know, we'll see if those two mesh uh, this year after struggling last year. And Andrew, we got to talk about Chris Collinsworth. I mean, oh yeah. Chris Bring some warm tea, man. Come on. Yeah, that was a struggle. Hopefully he's okay and, and good for this Sunday. Uh, you know, obviously with everything that's going on, you, you know, you don't know what uh, illnesses people have these days and we're not going to speculate on anything, of course. But, uh, but yeah, that was a tough listen. Uh, and, you know, Tariko brought up the fact that they did a Thursday game and a Sunday game. Again, I covered baseball, so I don't know if that's a, I can't really give, you know, we, we later in a minute, we're going to go to like Herb Street and Michaels and you, I didn't say it because we, you know, it didn't fit in, but you know, we start talking about Herb Street schedule. It's like, all right, cry me a river, 18, <laughs> game, 18 inning game at Wrigley field, uh, you know, at night game at Sunday night baseball gets done at like three flight at like six in the morning day game in Cincinnati next day. So cry me a river. Corporate plane, helicopter into Boone. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. All right, John. <laughs> John, joining us now, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit. 
they barely need an introduction, but I've called Michaels probably the greatest NFL TV play-by-player of all time, while Kirk Herbstreit is the biggest voice in college football. Now they're joining forces for history. Amazon Prime Videos, the new home for exclusive coverage of Thursday Night Football, opening night, Chiefs and Chargers, big one to start with. Uh, and, so uh, You forgot you the biggest honor. Uh, Andrew, you forgot the biggest honor. Al is now, uh, you joined Greg Olson, Al, as the second repeat visitor to the Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. Congratulations. Do I get a prize? <laughs> it's in the mail. Does it come with does it come with like a Mercedes 450 or, or what? <laughs> of course. John will be handling that. <laughs> but let's go into your guys' history a little bit. Uh Kirk, you know, I don't I think people know this about you. Obviously, college football, the NFL, but you're a huge baseball fan, huge Cincinnati Reds fan. Al was the play-by-play guy for the Reds back early 70s. I think you're a little too young uh before to, to have seen him um when he was doing games before uh marty brenneman uh took over after al left to, to to go on to national you know do fully national stuff but just like that connection you know with baseball and everything how has that helped you guys you know as you've gotten to know each other better honestly i i um i think we have a lot in common because of our love for the for sports not just games that that al's done he's done so many huge uh games and different sports but I think we just, you know, we'll sit around at a table and we'll have other people with us that are on our crew and we're all kind of reminiscing and talking about different different ga- different games and could be talking about horses, could be talking about baseball, football. I think it's just a passion for sports in general that is a very initially our kind of a common bond that we have. And of course, I'm, you know, I, I'm a guy who grew up in uh, my generation, I, I am a huge consumer of sports. And Al seems like most of the big events that I watched, or, you know, a large portion of them, Al was calling them. And so for me to to sit there, you know, I'm just kind of like a little kid listening to, to Al tell firsthand stories about some of these uh, some of these events. So I've I think that's that's been our initial probably times we've had dinner probably been the best thing for us to kind of sit down and Reds baseball, by the way, has been right in the, in the middle of a lot of that. 100%. Now in terms of creating chemistry, I don't know if you create it, Al, you know, you've had many partners over the years and Kirk, you, you've, well, what have you guys tried to do? So you're, you mesh and this is, this broadcast is smooth from, from the go and throughout this season. Number one, Andrew, uh, Kirk was listening to me do the Reds games in his bassinet. <laughs> uh, I did. Th- I did three years, and then Marty Brenneman did the next forty-six. Uh, saw Marty recently, and he he loves retirement. Um, I think one of the keys is, and Kirk touched upon it. We sat and had dinner the night before we did the uh, preseason game in Houston a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things that came up was horse racing, and we started to talk about the Kentucky Derby and all of that, which led me to at one point during that game talk about the fact that uh, Hope Springs Eternal in preseason, uh, you, you begin to listen to, you know, how optimistic the teams are and the coaches are and all of that. And I, I likened it to when uh, you would be around Wayne Lucas, the great horse trainer, and he could, he could get you to bet on Mr. Ed in the Kentucky Derby, which of course was a byproduct of our dinner the night before when Kirk was telling me about he, how he almost threw his tickets away 
the year that the horse that he had was finishing, you know, was moved up from second to first, but he's on the ground, you know, trying to, you know, pick up these wet tickets to take them and cash them in. Anyway, so I think a lot of that has to do with the, the, the it's a byproduct of getting together off the air. And we've had a, a time now to spend, you know, a, a few dinners together and, and a couple of, you know, a big seminar at, uh, at Amazon in Culver City. But I think the key thing is to, uh, and it's going to evolve through the season. And also the, the, the good thing for me too is, you know, I, I tell so many stories, but I'm bringing in a, a new audience, which is great because it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling the same stories over and over and over and over, but I'm bringing in a new group. So um, uh, in, in that sense, it, it's, it's great to have Kirk as a partner. And I thought, you know, for, for an opening salvo, uh, that felt really comfortable that night. And, and I, I would just add to that. I, I think Al's very welcoming. You know, I'm not just saying that because he's on here because I, I didn't know what to expect. I, I Like everybody else, I've watched Al. And and if we weren't doing broadcasting and we were just, just met, um, he's just a great, a great person. You know, he's just a, a very easy guy to talk with. And I think when you have that innately, uh, then when you when you do hang around each other, and, and I, I agree with that, I think going to dinners and, and chemistry is everything in a booth. And I think it allows you then to just be able to carry over that into the booth. And now you just have to be talking about a football game for three and a half or four hours and and away we go. So I, I think there's uh, it's one thing to do your job, but it's another thing to come together and do it in a, in a very seamless kind of feel, um, more of a comfortable listen. And I think Al's had that with his partners. I try to have that with the people that I've worked with and hopefully we can come together and as an entire unit, not just Al and I, our whole team coming together and give people that kind of vibe. I mean, Al, I'm not overstepping here. I mean, you're, you're certainly the goat of NFL play-by-play announcers. I mean, you've, you've done uh, Monday night football when it was the top prime time telecast, I think starting in 85, right? And 86, 86. Mm-hmm. And then right. you, um, uh, transitioned over to Sunday night football when that became the top broadcast property. So from the mid eighties through now, 2022, you've been calling the biggest games, of course, you know, going to Amazon, like the, the, one of the biggest stories that, uh, Andrew and I have been, have been covering is just the idea of everything going exclusively to a streamer. How is this different for you? Well, it's different in the sense that it's a new frontier. It's a new platform. But I, I've got to put that off to the side a little bit, John, because we are there to do the game. So I've been doing the NFL for 36 seasons. This is 37. And I'm not going to reinvent a, a new template or anything of that sort. I'm going to go about the job pretty much the way I've done it. Now, can you make it better? Can you tweak it? Yep. And, and believe me, I'm always looking for a maybe a, a better way to do something. Uh, the technology has gotten to the point where it's fantastic. You have to blend with the technology and stay abreast of, of what's going on. I think one of the key things too, John, is, is being in sync with the production crew. One of the great things for me through the years is working with a lot of the same people. So I, can, I know how our tape operators uh, go about their job. I know how the audio people go about their job. Uh, and that's a very, very comforting feeling. But I think in this in this particular instance, is this the future? Yes, to a degree. I mean, is it the entire future of sports on television? Uh, I don't think I'll be around doing this in, 
in 12 or 13 years to find out the answer to that. So I don't know. I can't predict what's going to happen. I think it is part of the future for sure. And I think also one of the great things for us, especially considering what took place uh, on Sunday, is we knew we had Chargers, Kansas City to begin things. And now it turns out to be that's probably as good a matchup as there is in week two with Mahomes going against Herbert and two teams coming off wins. So we got really lucky. This is a great way uh, you know, to, to jump off the springboard and into the pool. And away we go. But as, in terms of what's going to happen down the line, that's for others to figure out. It's good to see how that you, you finally caught a break in the business. <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> you know, I just hope, look, you know, we, we came down the stretch last year. Uh, you know, of all the regular season games I've ever done, I think the, the Charger Raider game at the end of last season was as dramatic and exciting considering what was taking place and the possibility of a tie and all of that. And then we had three tremendous playoff games, including the Super Bowl. So uh, I've had a rabbit's foot for a lot of years uh, dangling from my, uh, my belt loop. Kirk, uh, 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 the LA Times had a story over the summer that, that detailed an off-season health scare uh, that you had involving blood clots. How was your health? It's great. Um, I, I had a, a scare. I can't remember. It's been a few months now when that happened, but I, I got immediately put on blood thinners and my body has responded favorably. Thank goodness. But uh, yeah, I, I'm great. I, I don't have any restrictions of any kind and, and I feel probably the best I've felt in a long time. Uh, your travel schedule this uh, is going to be insane uh you know going from college on sa uh, on saturdays to the uh to, to the nfl on thursdays and you know wherever in between how are you going to be able to manage that how do you plan to manage that i think it's just being uh and al's throughout his career has probably done things like this i think it's just trying to be able to um keep things organized you know like i'm calling this week i i have got uh, looking forward to working with al and the crew for our first game on thursday and then you know, while I'm preparing for that, I've, I've got to find some time because I got Mario Cristobal and, and Jimbo Fisher in Miami of Florida going to Kyle Field and College Station. So I've got to, it's not like I can just start on Friday getting ready for that game. And by the way, I'm going to mix in a three-hour uh, college game day in Boone, North Carolina, uh, because Appalachian State is has become a, a unique story. So that'll be a wild scene for three hours there. So yeah, it's it's this is an interesting week. I mean, of all the weeks that we start this week, this is, sometimes we do these game days where they're a little bit off the beaten path. And I think Boone, North Carolina would, would fit that billing. So uh, what better way than a, a wild card week to, uh, to get me started, but I, I'm going to stay organized. I'm going to, I have a sickness about loving what I do and it's, it sounds like a lot, but I'm going to manage it and I'm going to look forward to the challenge. Have you been to Boone before? Never have. I heard great things. Mac Brown always tells me about how beautiful it is up there. I've never been there. Have you been there? Uh, no, but Michael Smith, who uh, does college football for uh, for uh, SBJ, is a proud Boone alum, uh, App State alum. Okay. So he's been okay. insufferable this season. I don't know, Al, over your all your travels, if you made it over there, but I, I heard I hear great things about it. I hear it's uh, up in the mountains and heard it's beautiful, but I heard it's also hard to get to. So. Which which airport do you fly into for starters? Boone well, International, I'm assuming, right? They they said the closest uh, FBO is like 130 miles away. So oh, just that's going to be the need. first. That's gonna, the, the first challenge is I'll leave you Thursday night and fly, and I still am 130 miles away from from where I'm trying to get. So I, I think there's a 
a chopper in your future. What do you think? <laughs> right. This week, that would help. Yeah. Although in those mountains, I don't know if in the dark, it's one in the morning. I don't know if I want Oh, baby. No, thanks. Kirk, <laughs> how good do you think you and Al can be? How good can we be? Yeah. Well, you and I visited with Al in, in Houston. I mean, I, I, I want to be as good as there is. Like, I, I, I don't think we're putting this team together to try to, you know, figure that work out the kinks and maybe get there by the, you know, middle of the year. Um, Al was the greatest to ever do it. I, I like to think that I have a feel for it. Um, our production team is, I think, the best in the industry. Uh, we're getting, you know, great games. I mean, there's a lot there to pull together and everybody takes this job very seriously. Everybody wants to be great. I, I like to think, and I think Al would probably agree. We want to be as good as there is out there. Who's the judge, <clears throat> who's to say, who's the best at whatever, but we just want to be the best version of ourselves. And I, and I think there's a chance we can be pretty good at this. What do you think, Al? Absolutely. I mean, I'm not in the business of rating us against anybody else. I have great respect for uh, our brethren. You know, Buck and Aikman have done it for years, and Nance and Romo are, are terrific. So I don't want to be judged against them, but as Kirk says, the best version of ourselves. It's as simple as that. We both have a love for what we do. Uh, we're, we're immersed in, in preparing and making sure we get everything locked down. We've got a tremendous production crew. I mean, Fred Goodelli, as a producer, uh, doesn't need an introduction in that end of the business. I mean, he's produced the number one show on television for the last 11 years. Enough said there. Um, our director, Pierre Moussa, is terrific. We have a lot of the people that were part of our production crew on Sunday night who have come over and will either work both games Thursday and Sunday or just want to have their weekends off and work uh, uh, Thursday only. So I think we're, we are, we're ready to, ready to go. And I think, you know, that was, that was uh, just a great feeling in, in Houston that night uh, after the game, because I mean, we're coming out of the blocks. We had done a practice game in Los Angeles a few days before, but it just, it just felt right. So how good can we be? I think we can be, we can be great. I, you know, but it's, it's in the eyes of, you know, the listener. Uh, as long as we can make it comfortable and informative and entertaining and the, the lyrics match the melody, as, as I always say, uh, things will be fine. Al, on Sunday, you know, the Cowboys uh, played against Tampa and you weren't there for NBC and you'd been there for a long time, Monday Night Football. Um, what was, did you, I, I presume you watched the game and is there... I think you still want to do NBC. Like what, what's the feeling towards that in terms of um, the idea of not being at NBC in terms of doing Sunday nights? Well, that was a plan that they had for, for a while. Uh, and I don't want to make any uh, uh, headlines via clickbait, Andrew. Uh, so yeah, you know, the story as well as anybody, my contract ran out and that was the end of that. Uh, they did, uh, signed me to an emeritus deal, which includes uh, doing a wild card game at the end of this season. And I suppose uh, in the future and maybe some other, uh, other assignments involving, you know, events that I, I'm interested in could be maybe something to do with the Paris Olympics. I know the U S uh, open and golf is uh, four miles or five miles away. So 
there's a chance that I'll be a part of, of that coverage. But, uh, you know, certainly uh, I understood, I, I could see, you know, the end of the trail coming and then the Amazon thing popped up and uh, I still have great passion and love for what I do. Uh, I still get excited when I walk into a stadium and I did want to continue and this afforded me the opportunity to do just that. And then when we spoke, when I was in Houston, we spoke, you know, we talked about Bob Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, chairman of the uh, NFL TV committee. You know, he called Fox, he called ESPN on your behalf. And my question for you here is like, it, when that happened, you're Al Michaels, right? Like you, it, we, your resume speaks for itself. How, did, do you want Kraft to call there? Or is that just one of those things where, you know, he looks at the opportunities, Monday Night Football, if Joe doesn't go, Joe Buck doesn't go there. Uh, Fox has it to the next three Super Bowls. How does that happen? What, what happened there? I wasn't a party to, to, to what was taking place uh, off on the side. I do know that, you know, in the National Football League, they're very concerned about uh, transitions. Uh, what would happen, you know, in certain situations when you're changing broadcasters? Uh, and I think it was, as far as I know, mainly a case of, hey, we want to know where, you know, you're our partners. You know, you're spending billions of dollars with us. We want to know what you have in mind. So I was not a party to what was taking place on the side. Yeah, Andrew, we have uh, Kirk Herbstreit on the pod. I got to ask you about college football. Uh, how do you see all this conference stuff winding up? Um, I, I don't know how it's going to settle other than I think there's going to be about 50 to 60 teams here in the next couple of years that are going to be in some form of SEC, Big Ten, and whatever's left of the, you know, the Pac-12, ACC, Big 12. That's what it feels like. And I don't know if they're going to create a new division, like a college football playoff division, and whoever doesn't make that cut, it's 60, just stays, you know, currently where they are. Um, but that's what it feels like to me, especially now that we have the 12-team playoff. It just seems like we're, we're more and more going towards that model. And um, I think Notre Dame will stay out of, of joining any conference. It would obviously make sense now, especially with 12 teams. Um, they're not going to want to join a conference and, sh and share that potential revenue. So um, I, don't, I don't know when it's going to kind of next domino is going to fall. I see the Big Ten adding another couple teams. The SEC, I think, will do the same. And then at some point, I don't know what's going to happen with what's left of the Pac-12, what's left of the Big 12 and, and the ACC, but we're going to get to about 60 teams would be my guess. Now, Kirk, I want to ask you a question, not as a college football analyst, but as a, as a proud Ohio State alum. When the Big 10 expanded to bring in Maryland and Rutgers, did you like that? And then when they expanded to bring in USC and UCLA, do you like that? Uh, Maryland and Rutgers, I, I think it was just kind of a, a, a reaction. I think really you can go all the way back to Penn State, right, with Joe Paterno when they came into the Big Ten. That was the first one. It kind of was a head scratcher, and everybody just has gotten used to that. Maryland and Rutgers, I think everybody was looking at other conferences and, and the Big Ten trying to create a bigger map with, with more of a population, trying to get D.C. and, and New York I don't know how uh, that worked out for them or not. And now you have USC and UCLA and they're, that, that was a shocker to me as a big 10 guy, you know, like growing up my whole life in, in that area and playing at Ohio state. Um, I think anybody would be lying if they didn't say they, their eyebrows were raised and, you know, not just what does this mean for the sport, but wow, they're bringing powerhouse traditional powerhouses from Los Angeles to the blue, the big 10 blueprint. My first reaction is, what does that mean for the Pac-12? You know, not just what's going to happen in the Big Ten, 
What does that mean for them? I mean, you take USC and UCLA out of the Pac-12, what does that mean for that conference? Already a conference that's kind of wobbling when it comes to the playoff. They've had two teams since 2014 even make the playoff. I think their fans have kind of lost some energy and now they lose USC and UCLA. So I'm, I'm concerned about that entire region when it comes to the college football. And um, I, I was, first couple of days, I was kind of shocked. And then I'm trying to be open-minded through all this. And I, I am looking forward to seeing USC and UCLA come in to the Big Ten, but I, I still wonder where we are headed with all this. Now, Al, I have a couple of other ones for you, but first I had some breaking news that I got in Houston. Um, Fred Goodelli was nice enough to let me in part of a graphics meeting. And at the end, they mentioned you drank a V8, which has vegetables <laughs> in it, Al. Now, give us the story on that. Did you actually drink a V8? And what, do we, what should we know? Truth be told, I guess the eight vegetables in V8, the H stands for eight vegetables. Uh, I hate all of them by themselves. But if you put them together with enough sugar and enough sodium, I can and ice, I can down it, but it uh, it, it doesn't uh, it pales in comparison to Michelle Tafoya once sneaking a Brussels sprout uh, into my uh, mouth uh, as an, you know she said this is a French fry try this and we were sitting um, in in Baltimore at a bar and we'd had a couple and 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 I, I could taste it right I knew right away I, I'd been set up. And I did ingest a little bit of it, so I can't actually say I've never had a vegetable. I've had like you know, one morsel of a of a Brussels sprout and a V8, but that doesn't count, Andrew. I mean, that's a phony deal. You know that. V8 is, V8 is much better with vodka, Al, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I, good idea. Al, when did that start? When did that start with you and, and vegetables? Your whole life? Forever. Forever. I, I, my parents were 18 when I was born. My mother didn't even know what Dr. Spock was in those years. So I was the kid who just, ah, no way, no way. You know, I want a steak. I want, you know, I want a potato, whatever. Potato doesn't count as a vegetable. It's a storage. And I just pushed it away. And mom said, fine, keep going. So here I am. What the fuck can I tell you? Maybe it's the key to life. Get off the vegetables. You'll be better served. It might be the key to broadcasting because Kirk, and I've thought about doing it. Maybe I will. I'm going to give the story away. But Michael Kay, the voice of the Yankees, does not eat vegetables, never has eaten vegetables. Iron Eagle. You all know from CBS and Nets and, and all he does, uh, Turner, he he has never eaten vegetables. So there might be like, if, if a young person asks you, how do you make it in this business? How do you become got, a play-by-play guy? Don't yeah. eat vegetables, simple. Because hey, Andrew, John, you and I, our generation, all we've come up with is like, you know, get off the carbs, you know, you know make sure you're eating healthy, get your vegetables in. Al's like, forget about all that. Forget about it. All, it's all nonsense. And by the way, those guys who say they don't, do they have salads? Because once in a while, somebody will say, I don't eat vegetables. And they'll order a salad. I go, what do you think that is? What are you talking about? Come on. <laughs> I know. Now, I haven't spent their, you know, they've been with Michael K. or Ryan Eagle their whole lives. But as far as I know, I, I believe they have the same criteria as you. But but anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a common thread. If there are any other broadcasters out there, please contact me because I think there's a nice feature I could do here. Um, but let me ask you this, though. You, you, we just talked about your health. You talked earlier about you don't think, you know, at the end of this Amazon deal, it's an 11-year deal, you know, that you might not be the play-by-player. -player. What's the criteria for Al Michaels when you say, you know what, this is it for me. I'm going to hang up the headset. What's the criteria that you'll look at when, when that time comes? I think I'll know before anybody else does. I think I will. 
uh, unless they completely, you know, fall off the cliff at some point, God forbid, but you never know what can, ha what can happen. If I can't get to the place I want to get to in the game uh, as quickly as I have, uh, or as, you know, I don't want to say as adroitly, but, you know, if I can't get to where I want to go the way I've been doing it for, for years, I'll know first. I will know first. And I, I said that to everybody at NBC, too, a couple of years ago. I said, look, I'm going to know before anybody else knows. Okay. And I'm not, I don't want to hang on. I'm not going to hang on. I don't want to have anybody ever say, you know, he used to be, he might have been, we remember, blah, 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 blah. No, I'm the first guy who will know, and I'll be out of there in a heartbeat. Kirk, what's a successful year for you? How are you going to determine success? We're having fun. You know, I think, I think that's a successful year, because if you're having fun, I think that typically means things are going well. Uh, we keep going back to this word chemistry, but I, I think Al is, is more than qualified to do his role in the broadcast. I'd like to think with my preparation, I'll be in a position to be qualified, to be able to, you know, break the game down. And then I think at the end of the day, I, I think what I will look back at our year, if it was, if we enjoyed the season together as a group, then I think that's going to be, I'm not looking at ratings. I'm not looking at any of that. I'm, I'm looking at how did we feel? Because we're probably our hardest critics on with each other. How do we feel about what we're what we're doing from a, a, you know one week to the next? I think if we can walk out like the way we felt in Houston, we can feel like that every week, and we can high five each other. I'll see you next week, and on to the next uh, next game. That would be uh, I think that would be a, a big win for us. How about you, Al? Do you look at things that way? Well said by by Kirk. Yeah. Um, Again, it's a case of did we deliver on any given night? And also, you know, there's a tendency to sometimes think you're better than you thought you were. I, I've never let myself go to the point where that was perfect. There was always something you could have done, a few things you could have done that were a little better. And I think that's what has driven me and driven a lot of my partners and driven Fred Gadelli and Drew Estikoff, who I worked with for years, you know, we'd, we'd have a bunch of games through our careers where you'd say, Hey, that was, you know, we, we really did a good job tonight, but we can be better next week. So we're always looking, you know, I hate to sound like a coach, you know, we can be better. We got to clean up some stuff. But I think for the most part, again, I go back to if we're a comfortable listen for the majority of the people who have tuned in, that to me will define success. And, uh, you know, a lot of times you guys know this as well as anybody. Sometimes there's a great game and there's a tendency to tie the game to the broadcast. And sometimes, you know, the game was so good that the broadcast could have been an average, but the broadcast seems to be better than it was and vice versa. Sometimes the game is a stinker, but you really, you know, ratcheted it up to the point where you made it more interesting than the game itself. So that's the, you know, the essence of this business. It's the spontaneity. It's the, you know, live television is the greatest. And that's why I'm still doing this thing. I mean, it's just a, uh, it's something that, you know, you feel in your bones. You're not Steven Spielberg on a movie set taking 20 takes. You got one take, you got three hours and away you go. And it's exhilarating. 
I have one last food question. Uh, I was in the booth <laughs> down in Houston, got to watch for a, a minute or two, something, and I didn't ask you after. I didn't get a chance, but I wanted. I noticed Al, you eat green grapes during the game, and I was wondering if there was a reason for that, or that was just happenstance, or just something to do with keeping your throat. Is, is there anything to that, or is that just um, it was just happened to be what the food was there? It just happened to be there. I mean, I like grapes, green or red. Grapes are good. Fruit is good. I eat a lot of fruit, uh, bananas. Also, junior mints. Junior mints are great. And uh, <laughs> snack wells, which seem to be hard, harder to find these days. But those, you know, you, ju you just need something. You know, you, I can't eat a sandwich in the middle of the game. But, you know, grapes are, are a good snack. Okay, I and I had healthy too, right? Yeah, exactly, healthy. I thought there was a reason. We have a lot of young sportscasters who listen. I thought maybe there's a little tip. Maybe it keeps your throat moist or something like that. Where no, no, okay. no you know, what, you know what's weird. I mean, I, I drink water and coffee during the game, or, or uh, occasionally some some tea. But um, it's I used to drink uh, like diet soda, and I, and somebody said that's terrible for you. And then I found out that Elton John drinks diet soda during his performances. And I got to meet him about five or six years ago and he confirmed it. So I could go back on Diet Coke next week. Yeah, your old buddy, Chris Collinsworth, he could have used some tea on last Sunday night. That was, uh, I, got man, I, that was tough. I, I felt terrible for him too. I know that he was, there's nothing worse than going to a game, you know, and you know, you've got a tinge of laryngitis and you don't feel good to begin with on top of it, but uh, he gutted it out. I felt for him last night. Hey, Andrew, next time we get Kirk on the uh, pod, we're going to dial in. We're going to hammer him on his diet. Okay. So not today, but ne next time. <laughs> Al Michaels, 77, still throwing 92. I mean, we need to get some help tips here. You know, exactly. Al do it. It's incredible. Listen, never go to a place where the sign says vegan outside. Never. <laughs> I mean, uh, listen, Kirk Herb Street, Al Michaels, uh, Amazon Prime this year, uh, Thursday night, there's going to be the exclusive, only way you can watch the game every Thursday is on Amazon Prime. I, I, you know, I've said this, I think John kind of agrees. It's hard to imagine the broadcast is not going to be good between Gadelli, Michaels and Herb Street and the rest of the crew you guys have assembled. Um, you know, and then the question is, hopefully the pipes work and, and everyone can see it, uh, which I'm sure it will. Uh, but, uh, but we really uh, thank you for joining us and I wish you uh, a really great season. Good luck. Thanks, thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Andrew, I, I, I greatly enjoyed that. Uh, one thing that I did uh, take away from that has nothing with how they answered the questions, but more, like, they're still a new tandem, a new team that's out there. And they interrupted each other uh, in a good way. They talked with each other. Uh, they engaged each other. And I just think people that listen to that kind of like, listen, don't actually listen to, to the words as much as like just the way they interacted with, with, with each other. And I think it, they're going to be really, really good on Amazon this year. I think Herb Street probably is maybe the best partner Al Michaels could have. Uh, you know, Al Michaels is still really good. So there's nothing, to, but, but Herb Street, it's just so he's very prepared. And this is something that Amazon got, which is kind of rare, right? Herb Street's 53 and he's at the top of college football. So you bring him in, he's that type of analyst, but he's coming to the NFL hungry. A lot of people can come and you can get guys um, when they're established and they've done really well and they're kind of resting on their laurels, maybe not working as hard, maybe don't get to the games as early. And that can be a little bit different. Uh, you know, you can see how that, 
how that works out as, as you go forward. Herb Street's going in there and he wants to be the best. He said that uh, on the podcast in my story, the feature long feature, he said that he does not only wants to be the best, um, the best uh, NFL crew. He wants to be the best crew in all of sports. Um, which he kind of, he kind of, I, I was trying to lead him into saying that again. He sort of like said, Hey, we talked in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to have you say it now on the podcast. Same thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're like running my little tricks here. I know the answer. I'm trying to get you to say it on the podcast. All right. That's what we do here. That's the thing that when you look at what, um, Marie Donahue, Jared Stacy, what they did in terms of like putting together this team, it was long, arduous to get Al Michaels. I said this in my story to get Al Michaels a sign was like, uh, the 19, like 1980, uh, USA over the USSR. Do you believe in miracles when he finally uh, actually put his uh, pen to paper, um, you, know, you know, after looking around to see what else was out there, but they got it right. I, I just, I can't imagine that that's not going to be a really good broadcast from the jump. Uh, and so that, that's very important when you have a new service. All right. Speaking of uh, Kirk Herbstreit, let's go straight to our call of the week. Call of the week. John, our call of the week goes to Kirk Herbstreit. On college game day, McAfee makes his debut, but Herbstreit had the analysis that really foreshadowed the whole day. He was talking about Notre Dame versus Marshall, and he had a feeling. I'm going to tell you something, Pat. Marshall, Notre Dame has that weird September feeling. You tune in the third quarter, and it's like 20 to 17. What's going on? Marshall can hang, Marshall can score. You know, from being from West Virginia, they can score. And John, I'm not really into predictions, right? Like you give guys credit for this prediction. You know, people make a million predictions and you find that what happens with media is that a lot of times they'll just say like the opposite and outlandish things just to get credit. But but the thing I like about Herb Street is that he doesn't do things really for effect. It's just, and obviously where he is, but I think even how he's grown at ESPN, now he's established where he's at the top. But even he's not just said things to get attention, which I think is important for any analyst coming up. Don't just say stuff just to get attention. When 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 you have something different to say, say it. And look, that's great analysis. And then when it proves to be true and Marshall even won the game, uh, you look very good. So Herb Street looked very good uh, on what he said on game day last week. Yeah, and before we uh, sign off, Andrew, I want to give a quick shout out Joanne Ross, people in the business know exactly who she is. She's a, been with CBS for 30 years in their ad sales department. She's been running it for a long time. If you've gone to a CBS upfront presentation, she's a veritable star. I mean, she, she comes out and always has a very funny skit to lead it off. She has always been, for me, a great interview, uh, exceedingly kind and, and nice she announced just this week that she is retiring. She's taking on a, uh, a uh, an advisory role as chairman at Paramount Advertising. Uh, but what a career that she had! And I just I just wanted to give her a quick shout out. Yeah, well, happy trails to Joanne, and hopefully uh, retirement and uh, advisory role treats her well. Uh, and look, we do this every week, but we have to give props to the people who treat us well. Uh, and who make all these sound effects uh, happen and, and produce the whole show. That, of course, is AC Wyatt and Chris Mason. Uh, and so they do a great job. So we thank them as we do every week. Uh, and our call to action, John. Like and subscribe. Uh, please go. Uh, Five-star ratings and a, a nice comment or two. And apparently that really matters. So th- please, uh, please do that. 
All right, thanks guys. And if you want to know how to say our names, uh, you know, we'll maybe put something on Twitter or something trying to explain how to say them. But we appreciate everyone mentioning us. Thanks, Marshawn. <laughs>